Welcome to Disjointed. Our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's a constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. Well, welcome back for another episode of Disjointed. I'm your host, Jeff Sample, and I am excited to sit down with two leading contractors today to really talk about the problems that have been facing them in this new and disjointed world. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but I'm going to start with one of my favorite people, Jim Gentile. Jim, introduce yourself, let people know who you are, uh, and talk a little bit about your perspective on on the industry. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jim Gentile, Layton Construction. I'm a pre-construction manager in our Southern California business unit. I've uh, been with Layton a little over three years. Um, just have to say technology has been kind of injected into my career since, you know, 2010. Um, you know, just through the use of technology, I've been able to springboard my career, whether that was, you know, a paperless project, uh, using different aspects of your iPhone, the first iPad and, and the way we utilize photos. And boy, how far has that come from, you know, just the photo to, you know, using drone deploy on a project site now and that being standard. Um, so excited to go through the challenges today with Jeff and, uh, you know, have some really good conversations. Well, that's awesome. And I mean, tell everybody a little bit about what you do now at Layton and what your job is, et cetera. Cause you know, we all got these day jobs. We love technology, but um, we got problems and we got projects, right? There is a day job, right? Um, so pre-construction manager at Layton Constructions, uh, multiple uh, bag of tools, whether that's you know managing a design build project from uh, SDs, DDs, all the way to CDs, uh, you know, managing RFPs and pursuits. So, you know, estimates, logistics plans, schedules, and you know, how we're overall gonna just attack the project. And or stepping in on a project on a, a challenging trade and, and managing a scope of work. So, you know, we're here trying to deliver predictability. You're a little, that, that's a good one. You're, you're a little busy getting there and there's a lot of things going on these days to, uh, to really increase predictability. So, but we brought somebody else with us today to kind of bring a count, a counterpoint or possibly the same points in some respects. I'm sure you have some, not to, <laughs> not to give Nathan another shout out, but you have some shared pains. I have Larry Lantero with me as well. Larry, introduce yourself. Say hello to everybody. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So yeah, Larry Lantero, um, Vice President, uh, Abbott Constructions, California Operations. I oversee all of our pre-construction, all of our estimating, all of our business development, um, and basically all of our new project pursuits. So I've been here for almost 15 years now, so I've been doing this for a while for Abbott. And uh, yeah, excited to be here and happy to chat with Jim. Yeah, it's awesome. You were, uh, I mean, we had to wait a little bit for Larry. He had to get a coffee since you were walking a job site this morning and managing a few things. This man is busy. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. We've got got two job interviews today and a whole suite of other things. I think this is officially, we are back from COVID and the world is ramping up and, uh, yeah, they don't, unfortunately they don't warn you when that's going to happen. It just kind of happens. So I'm here doing six things all at the same time. So that's great. Well, I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. I hope that coffee keeps you caffeinated long enough to get us through this conversation. It should be uh, it should be a lot of fun, actually. So I, that's where I want to jump to. You, you're already talking about we're coming out of COVID. The world's opening back up. Things are getting busy. What are some of the problems that you guys are facing, particularly you, Larry, around delivering modern delivery methods? After 15 years of doing this, you've had to see those problems change. 
Where are they today? Yeah, yeah, awesome. So yeah, so we, you know, our our, our sphere of work tends to be that that complicated element of things. Our our history here has been a lot of healthcare work, and it's not you know not your every everyday healthcare. California healthcare is definitely a breed on its own with with different jurisdictional things, and then obviously seismic components and, and things like that. So we live in a world of complication and in a world of kind of nuance. Um, you know, definitely one of our, our challenges has been, you know, we're, the nature of construction is is specifically with our group is, is we breed a technical group of individuals. Like that's that's what we're out there. That's who we hire. That's who we train. That's who we employ is like, you know, tends to be more technical people on the industry. We're generally not sourcing people who have, you know, construction management certificates. It's all engineering based folks with a lot of technical background. And that's really how we train people. We train people to think like engineers, to think like architects. And that that's my history. That's my background. Um, and so with that comes, you know, obviously a dilemma where we're, we're building buildings for people who are by nature, not technical folks, most of them at least. Um, and, and we're coming to it in a world of nuance, right? Like everything in our world right now, it's like you live and die by the details of things. And that that tends to just create a little bit of conflict trying to explain you know, a complex mechanical issue to someone who's really just looking at a, at a, at a paycheck, at a, at a at, you know, at some kind of a bill that, that's coming out and they don't understand why there's complications with, you know, the startup of something that, that should, you know, work smoothly. And, and living in that world of nuance just by nature is, is full of conflict of challenges it's full of you know learning and, and, and approaches that you gotta gotta attack the market in a different way and also just you know trying to to sell those services and, and actually make people understand that there there is a giant gap in contractors that that are out there you know i can speak to, to jim and his group because we, we work together quite a bit um you know they've got a high high functioning group of professionals and that's not your average deal there's a lot of general contractors out there who are you know, kind of old school, I'm the simple contractor. And, and that's, frankly, that's the old model that that's not going to survive. I, I love that you went there. I mean, Jim, that's got to bring a few things out for exactly where you are at Leighton and what you've been experiencing. What's what's your perspective on that? Well, it's interesting. You know, what, I, what, what jumps out to me is, you know, owners asking for bids to be held for, you know, 60, 90 days in the market, right? And, and trying to get them to understand you know, the volatility, you know, we live in Southern California, we see the 71 cargo ships sitting in the, in the, you know, in the ocean, we see the impact of that. So, you know, whether it is that technical mechanical issue on, upon startup, you know, you're educating an owner on the issue and it, it's, that's where the time is spent, you know, the decisions that are made or not made, you know, or a week that goes by without a decision, you know, so how do you have that ability to collaborate to get them educated, you know, that takes us a lifetime. We're still learning. We've been in the industry, you know, Larry's been at Abbott for 15 years. I've been at Leighton for three, been in the industry for over 20. You know, we learn every day and you're at, you know, that fair today or that, that convention, you know, what we talked about earlier, it's evolving every single second. So how do you educate somebody who's doing a one-off build, you know, for the next 15 years on what's happening? Yeah, you hit on a couple of things. I am. I'm at the MEP Innovation Conference today. That's why my background has changed if you're not seeing my usual studio here. But Larry hit on something that, and you did on collaboration and understanding that you're working with owners who don't have the technical acumen that you do, but their decisions are really important. 
How maybe, Larry, have you learned over time to translate that? I had Hamza Shambari on early in the process of this, and that was one of the things he talked about is you all speak different languages. Um, so how do you work with those serial owners and, and overcome that so that they feel comfortable with decisions? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a unique challenge that we found, like, you know, everybody kind of approaches that one in a different way. Um and, and frankly, it needs to be adaptable based upon what type of client you have, right? Some some people, no matter no matter how many angles you you, you hit them with, they're just by nature that's they're they're on the slower pace than you. They're on that, and you really just need to adapt your strategy to 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 accept that, right? There's only so much molding you can do in a relationship to be like, hey, this is how you need to act to get the most efficient delivery. And, and you know, it's it's frustrating at times, but that's that's the nature of the beast, and that's. That's our job is to adapt and react. You know, we've, we've got a strategy that we utilize called the project charter system, where we basically, when we start something, we, we kind of get a big room together and be like, hey, every decision maker needs to be in this room. And we need to we need to talk about like, what are our goals? How's this thing going to run? Are we going to be OK with this relaxed pace where, you know, this super aggressive timeline isn't a great fit for this project? Or are we going to commit that there's going to be somebody in charge who's going to be proactive, who's going to be driving the system? And, and a lot of it falls to whoever is like given that authority on the project. Who's going to be the one driving? Is it going to be driven by an owner's rep? Is it going to be driven by you know a general contractor, a design builder? Is it going to be driven by an architect? Who's going to be the leader really driving that? Or is it going to be this kind of co-led thing where it's like, hey, we all have this same acumen and we're all delivering together. And it's it's crazy. Every single project you kind of approach it, and it's a little bit of a mystery and you kind of got to navigate those waters and, and feel it out and be like, ah, you know, this person seems like they're on it, but Maybe, maybe they, you know, they end the meeting and then they go away for a little while and you don't hear from them for a week. Um, a little bit so of trust there. Huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Jim knows how it goes. Trust and adaptability, right? You're, you're, you're really a project charter sounds like, you know, kind of like a TVD exercise of some sort, getting everybody on board. But every time you assemble a team like that, that's part of the process is understanding the team has a different DNA than even the company, right? You have yours, they have theirs, and you have to decide what's the DNA and the value that this group, this goes. You're, you, Hey, is it an aggressive time schedule? Is it a relaxed schedule? Can we make some decisions? What's going to happen? Um, so I like that. I mean, you really do have to look at each project and each project team as a unique entity and then figure out how you're going to work with it and adapt. I like all that. Jim, what did that bring up for you? Well, I, I think just, you know, stepping back into my role, of, you know, processing the RFPs, right? That you're at, you're at the starting of the project. It's, you know, you're not even ordering material yet. You're trying to find that the, the synchronicity between superintendents, project managers, the architect, what's the connection? Do they go to the same school? You know, how do you create that cohesion, you know, six months before a project even starts? You know, is this the right team to put on the project? So, you know, where Larry is on the operation side and you're focusing on, you know, in the moment dealing with, you know, the project, you know, when we're collaborating on setting up the team, is it just you're picking a name because they're available? Or, you know, what's the thought process that goes into the actual selection for the right fit, the right experience? So, you know, it's, it's interesting, the decisions that we make, you know, on an RFP that's due, you know, let's just say, what's today, January, uh, in March, we're, we're selecting, you know, the success of the project on paper. And, and it's, it's, that's the interesting part of, of my role is the ability to formulate how well a team's going to interact. 
you know, whether you're reading a, you know, a current book and it's helping you decide what leaders should do and how do you formulate a successful team, you know, and it's the forming, norming, storming and adjourning process of a, a construction project. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Well, and I, I think you, it's, this is where it's kind of nice to have someone in operations and someone in pre-construction because like that entire process of setting that up from RFP through to delivery, um, you hit on it. It's a new experience, right? You, you're talking about, and, and Larry, you're, you guys are chasing work. That's not your natural work to chase, right? You, you have to stand out amongst the rest. You want to stand out. And so you're changing that experience. So Jim, when you think about changing the experience for, you know, owners, how do you even articulate that? How do you get them to understand and start to believe that like, Hey, Layton's the one we want to go to because they do this. Uh, it's all about time and touches, right? So it's trying to get, you know, I've got a superintendent and a project manager that are on a project and I need them to understand the current, the next project that they're going to do. Right. And it's finding that time whether it's, you know, on your drive home or, you know, luckily Larry gets coffee in the morning, uh, not like the rest of us, <laughs> you know, and, and having a chance to talk to them and, and educate them on the project, you know, and, and connecting with the client, right? And having courage up front to, to talk to that client about the project and the challenges. You know, I think the more we are up front about those challenges on the project, the, the client can start to settle in and relax a little bit about that, you know, and be, and that creates a successful interview and makes them feel really comfortable. So, it's an art. It's an art to so Jeff, Yeah, go ahead, Larry. So, so I was down at Jim's. Jim's giving me a hard time. So, I was, I was at Jim's office maybe a month ago, yeah. and you can you believe they have an entire office that just drinks those stupid K cups? Can you believe that? That yeah, well, Whole hey, group of people, adults, know, human adult, human adults, they're sitting there drinking K cups. In the I bring my own coffee in, so it's okay. Embarrassing. I, I bought them a French press and brought it to their office and said they need to grow up a little bit, man. Come there we on. go. You're in, you're, you're in Southern California, man. Orange County at that. You need to live You need to live it up, buddy. Whoa. Come on. You need to live Slack it up. It. Well, hey, I'm going to give Jim a little love here because Jim actually sent me some really good coffee about two right, years ago. Yeah, in his soul. It was really good. So in all honesty, like there's one thing we all have in common is we have to be caffeinated to get through this. And, and I'm with you, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, not everybody gets it. I mean, unfortunately I got conference coffee today, but you know, that, that's all right. Is it? It just proves that Jim has a good soul. Even there you though go. on the surface, I'll put the there, link you know, to the coffee got... below. There you go. <laughs> we'll we'll put the coffee link in the in the yeah. show notes. But you hit on something there, Jim. You brought in, you know, having courage up front, right, to really let an owner re relax. And Larry, earlier you said, "Look, we're not we're not chasing work like some of these other general contractors that are behind that are sitting back because those same people go into those meetings and go." Oh no, you can have it all. We'll do it all. We'll get the schedule. You'll be fine. That's easy to do, but then it usually ends in a bitter battle at the end. And like, nobody leaves. It's like the K cup coffee. You leave with a bitter taste and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> so a little bit stale on the inside. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you really like when you got a good pre-construction set up and then you're in operations, how do you continue that through and how do you continue to deliver on that? What are the challenges that you face through that process? Oh man. I, I so I'm building a, a personal residential project right now and having to adapt to that world has been like, I, I had a general contractor on board that lasted, I think maybe six weeks. And I was like, this isn't going to work for me, man. I just can't, I can't live in this world of just like nothing 
everything's fine. And like, no matter what the problem is, it's just like, oh yeah, okay. This guy's not going to be here for four weeks. It's, it's cool. It's like, you know, we live in a world where I'm like, no, perfection is the goal. We, we got to drive towards that. And every single time we got to get a little bit better. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of narratives out there right now that are interesting to me to talk about like this, this, this whole, you know, global supply chain issue one has been a favorite topic of mine lately, because I just, the, the narrative that's out there doesn't really match for me the narrative that like, you know, our duties are as general contractors. There's been so much of this narrative, just like put your hands up. Oh, it's global supply chain. Sorry. See you later. And I'm like, that is such, you know, that's such bullshit. That's our job. You know, you can call it general contractor or whatever, but like our job is to be forward thinking problem solvers. And when I hear that come up, it's like, oh, supply chain. I'm like, no, no, no. Like it's, this has been a thing for, you know, almost two years now. It's like, guys, time to learn, time to adapt. And like, if you're in a point where we're, we're trying to blame the global supply chain for things, like what have you been doing for the last two years? Have you not been paying attention? Like, yes, material sourcing is a problem, but guess what? At some point it just becomes normal and you need to learn how to plan for these things. You need to learn how to adapt and you need to learn how to like not use excuses. And I'm like that, that to me is like the, the narrative I love talking about right now. Cause I'm just like, this guy's, if someone says global supply chain to me one more time, I'm be like, no, it's not global supply chain. It's that you're bad at your job. Yeah. You're bad it's at your job laziness. And, you don't, yeah. and you don't know how to plan. And a lot of the stuff is, is, you know, again, the, there's, there's true things out there that have been impacted, but we know what those are because we've been working in this industry every single day for the last two years. Yes. There's some new stuff that happens a little bit here, a little bit there, but Come on, guys, get it together. Let's do this. I, I love that. If you're planning, you're it's now normal, right? Like two years ago for the first couple of months. Oh, man. Yeah, sure. We can all call like, whoa, let's see what happens. But now yeah. you're right. And let's not call it new normal. It's just normal, right? We've been doing yeah. this for hundreds of years. It just becomes normal. Things happen. Things change. Jim? I was, oh, I was just saying, you know, let's talk about metal deck. Let's talk about the freeze in Texas. Let's talk about TPO. It's like, those shouldn't be issues, right? We understand early on, like what type of building it is. There is no supply chain issue. It's like, well, let's just resequence the work to get that material at a different date or leverage our global supply chain to purchase that material in bulk with another project for the client, you know? So it's just, it's about collaboration and communication. I, I, I love it. it. It really is. And it's about adaptation. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, so, you know, I was talking to one of my buddies the other day from, I was actually with Jim, we were talking to a client from Australia and they were talking about how Amazon Prime for them means it's going to get there in two weeks. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember that. Like that, you know, back, you know, 15 years ago, that's how it was here too. And I'm like, but now everyone is so accustomed to they click the button and all of a sudden it's on their doorstep, you know, the next day or the day after. And that's, that's just like what people expect. And I'm like, well, guess what? Now we're just back in, you know, 2000, whatever, five, 2007, when Amazon Prime meant two weeks and just meant free shipping. And it's like, so that's, that's the life we're living in. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, pretend like it's the end of the world. It just means that this is the new normal that we have to adapt to. And it's, it's as long as you're smart enough to be really diligent in your planning and really diligent in, in again, like communicating these problems to people so, and getting those decisions that you need to, to, get that product secured, it's not, it's not the end of the world. We can still make the construction life continue on as normal. 
It's funny. I'm talking to suppliers here and they're saying some of the same things. They're like, yeah, we've had a 65% delivery rate on what we're getting, but we haven't missed a single shipment to our people because they're doing the same things. Right. And that's the distributor's model. So you just got to go get distributors like that or go get trade contractors who think that way. Jim, what else you got? Well, you know, there's a difference. So, you know, we talk about the general contractors, Larry and I, right. Then we talk about the owners and, you know, educating the owners. We've chatted a little bit about kind of kind of roundabout fashion, the architect and, and submittals and product selection. But, you know, the reality of where you're at today, it's, it's trade partners, right? It's the pre-qualification of the trade partners. And we're not just a regular GC. We're picking, you know, the educated subcontractors that are pre-qualified, not only financially, you know, but safety. And they understand the market. They're in tune with the supply chain. So we know the issues, right? And they're suppliers. So, you know, it's this trifecta or, you know, of the three, the three-legged stool, right? It's the architect, it's the general contractor, it's the trade partner creating this, this perfect harmony within the project. You know, that the architect isn't married to this spec that, you know, we can submit on something different because we know of the issues that are happening or going to happen. Yeah, you can use your educated uh, information on where the supply chain is and be ahead of those things and let them understand that, yeah, while we've seen this product have an issue or that product have an issue, we have trade partners that can really deliver on that. So you did, you talked about two of the other folks I've already had on the show, actually all three of them that I've had on the show. Um, and you hit on something, you know, owners are really after predictability, right? They're actually, they're after a different experience too. They have very different needs for their buildings moving forward, right? Our, a building is actually transforming into something very, very different. And, and thanks to COVID, we've kind of, uh, I think, advanced that process a little bit and understanding, you know, uh, I had uh, Sala Eckhart from Microsoft on and she talked a lot about, you know, they're not just looking at a building as a building, right? They're looking at a, at a building as something that can, you know, morph, change, and adapt so that they can um, acquire the best talent that's in high school right now or in grade school when they get out. So you've kind of, you gotta, you can't think the old way, Larry. This has to be something very challenging for you guys. It's also got to be right in your wheelhouse that, you know, when you're designing these new facilities is coming to your minds. And how are you handling some of those, those new challenges? Yes, I, I would. Have, I'm excited to listen to that uh, episode with Microsoft, man, because I'm sure they they think about stuff. You know, it tends to be a lot of the, like you have a range of building owners, right? It's like you know, you have your kind of immediate need building owners who are just designing for today, designing for today. But you know, some of these tech companies they do a really, really good job about thinking for the future. And I, I like that narrative about hey, we're designing these buildings for people that are still in high school. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a challenge, man. Th- think about it. I mean, I don't like to bring technology into everything, but but Sala brought it right up. Like, think about what we just experienced when it came to COVID, right? We all had to go back into our offices. We all had to get in this Zoom normal for a little while. We don't know when those different experiences are going to happen or when people are individually just not capable of experiencing a building. And they were like, well, how about with augmented reality platforms? And if we're thinking about the augmentation of mixed reality in the future, somebody who possibly never could have experienced a building might be able to experience it now. I mean, yeah. that, that's a challenge. Yeah. I love that conversation, man. And it's, it's exciting to work with people who are, who are thinking to that level because it allows you to bring a whole, like, you know, again, you have to master the basics. And once you master the basics of building a, a you know, building for today, then you can start to think about building a building for, you know, the kids in high school. And I, I love that conversation. I love the narrative. And it's interesting to, ha- you know, 
talk to all the people who are like, oh, yeah, well, by the time they get, you know, people in high school get to, you know, be in their mid 20s, there's not going to be cars anymore or there's not going to it's all going to be self-driving and there's parking garages are going to start to go away. And you hear these TED Talks and folks kind of spinning their dreams about what these things are going to look like. And it's interesting to kind of just sit back and kind of see everybody's take. I mean, there's definitely a couple of clear things that are in everybody's narrative that you can start to start to think about and be like, all right, hey, general contractors have stayed away from kind of the data side of things that are in buildings for a long time. Oftentimes it's like owner subcontractors or, you know, there's especially specialty technology consultant and something like that. And it's like, those are things that I'm like, ah, those are, that's an area that we need to dive into. And general contractors need to get up to speed on what building technology beyond MEP systems, like real data technology, what that looks like. Is there going to be VR, you know, VR capturing cameras inside of our buildings so that we can have work from home, feel like you're going to be in the office and, you know, all these other different solutions. I, I love that conversation. It allows you to, to really do that forward thinking and, and, you know, try and continue to perfect the way that we operate. It's, it's a cool, cool thought game. I, I love it. Jim, you, you're dying to jump in on that. I mean, there's well, so I, much. It, it is. I, you know, when I was actually, you know, in, in a real life scenario today, I have an intern um, who's working remote, you know, and, and she wants to get experience as a project engineer, but can't be on a project site or can't be in the office helping the estimators provide an estimate. You know, how do you get her into that metaverse that allows you know, that, that feeling that she's participating in a project and, and providing that collaboration. So yeah, it, it's exciting to hear that, uh, the release of that and, and, and get to the next steps to provide that environment to where they feel part of the team. And, and I want to move you guys in because you started talking about trade contractors and we can't leave them behind. Like you're orchestrating this. It's a, it's a three-legged stool. You take any one leg out and you fall over. So think about how you're applying those because, you know, Larry said this really well. He said, we've, it's not just about the MEP, you know, systems that are in there. We've got to think beyond it, but actually they're really a part of being beyond that. What are some of the challenges you experience with them? Because you just said it, there's great general contractors that are thinking this way. There's others who are sitting on their laurels. I happen to be at a conference where I think there's a lot of MEPs that are starting to think just like y'all really, really forward. And there's a lot that are sitting on their laurels. What are those experiences and what are those qualities you're looking and the challenges you have with it, Jim? You know, it's, again, it's finding the right team and, and that synergy within the trade partners, right? It's not just about the lowest price. So sure, those trade partners are out there that are just going to give you your lowest price and you get what you pay for. You know, what is the collaboration between that trade partner? Some of our trade partners are our biggest salespeople that have the relationships with the owners, have the relationships with the architects that, that get us invited to these projects and, and get us engaged. So, you know, it, they're more than just a trade partner, you know, and it is finding that, that synergy that, you know, they're a partner for life, just like a client is for life. And just like a project, you know, is on our wall and, and we remember forever. So I think it's, it, it's finding the right trade partners that have that same vision of where the industry is going, where the market's going, but then, you know, they're in it, in the trenches with us, you know, and know that we're going to call them, you know, for a coffee at 7am to, to go chat about this project and come up with a strategy, you know, and they're going to be, you know, the, the horse that we run with on this process because they are aligned with our vision for, for this product, this architect and that client. 
Yeah, you talked about it before and you set this up right. You're not always the low bidder. You're the one that's the reality bidder in, in a lot of cases and you're bringing them a lot of reality in what they do. And your your trade partners are doing a lot of the same. So you get over into operations and Larry, this comes into your world when you get into operations. So you've set yourself up with great trade contractors in the background and now you're getting to execution. What are the things that are going great with those good ones and what may be some of the challenges when maybe that it's not one of those good ones? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, that's that's I'm more on the pre-con, so I'm not doing too much on the on the operations these days. But I definitely have in a past life, and and you know, I think one of the things from a technology standpoint, I think that that area is so ripe for someone to start thinking a little bit ahead. I mean, it's you know, I, I love a lot of the trade contractors they work with, but I would say it's definitely rare to find a group of trade contractors or any individual trade contractor that's really out there demonstrating an acumen towards the future. It's like that that world that we live in there has not advanced that significantly in the last, you know, 30 years. Yes, we've made minor minor improvements with different types of technology, with different tools and, and different systems. But I think there's so much opportunity there for us to really talk about, hey, like let's make this process better. Like some Jim and I were talking a while back about some of the different layout technologies that are out there that are are looking to like for sure streamline it's like look we have a problem right now it's like if you're building a 10-story building you've got you know maybe a crew of guys who are taking you know a week per floor to lay out all the wall systems and all the mep systems it's like well wouldn't that work better if we had some kind of you know some type of technology instrument that could take care of that at night when everybody else was at home um, and, and take care of all that layout. And that, that technology exists out there. And it's like looking for these ways that are going to, I think the first trade contractor that really grabs onto that. It's like, no, no, no. All right. We're living in the future now. Let's do this a different way. Let's save time and let's stop doing this whole deal that the only way to get construction cheaper is to do it with less expensive labor. Cause that's, that's, that's not a solution that is ever going to work. We, we we still see people trying to push that as a solution. We do a lot of work in the in the modular space, and you know I would say probably seventy five percent of the modular manufacturers out there that's their strategy. It's like just use cheaper labor. It's gonna make the, it's gonna make construction cheaper. Like no, that will never ever work. It's that that always leads to problems. We just did a project for LA County that's one of the largest modular projects ever done in the state of California, and you know our modular vendor had problems. That was their strategy. We, we did as much quality control from our end as we could on theirs. And ultimately, you know, they ended up having a whole bunch of rework that they had to handle because that was their strategy. Cheaper labor equals cheaper construction. Like it's not going to work guys. Technology, that is one area. Like I'm, I'm an old dog when it comes to this conversation. Like I am very much don't want to be in the cutting edge of these things. I'm, I'm more of a, Hey, what, what really pays off in, in the general contractor world is being smart. And I think that, that, beats a lot of technology even still, but in the actual subcontractor world and the, and the trade partners, that's an area where they need to, you know, we, we need to step it up as, as an industry. And we need to look at these technologies of prefabrication and layout and, and AI and, and, and some of these virtual tools that can really help us. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, I think you're right. And I think you're seeing a ton of those products come out right now. I'm sitting here at an, at an innovation event where, you know, Trimble just walked up, spot the dog with a laser scanner on it and said, you know, you walk this thing around and then you teach it where to go. And then it's autonomous and it can walk it all the time. And you can start to get as built, you know, compared and verified. But then I was sitting in a, in a talk with Amy Marks, who's really talking about the industrialization and, and, 
I'm with you that either our trade partners are going to figure this out and start to become manufacturers or the vice is going to be versa and manufacturers are going to come in and trust me, manufacturers have not been throwing cheaper labor at their lines to make more. They have been throwing AI. They've been throwing robotics. They've been throwing those things, but it takes people who really understand that. And it takes general contractors who can consume that and then utilize that to change the experience. So I think, oh, Larry, you're the value. Pushing. Go ahead. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the value in that is just like it's it's something that totally gets overlooked. It's like, you know, again, bid price is bid price. But if I have a guy that can all of a sudden shave, you know, a week out of floor because he's doing the layout overnight, I'm like that's that's worth you know, extrapolate that by operating expenses and the actual revenue that the client's going to see off the building at the end of the day. It's like, that's where you really start to hit your exponential value add to the situation. It's crazy that that, that is still a conversation that gets left. It's like faster is better and will always be better. Well, Six to 2.30, buddy. Six to 2.30. Well, I was just about to yeah. say, but for all of you trade partners, this does not mean you have a crew that now works overnight to go do those things. That is, that is the no, opposite no, no. of what we're talking about. Baby. Yes. Yeah. I mean, literally, you're talking about things like Dusty Robotics. Like on this show, exactly. we get to talk about anything we want. And I know Tesla Lau, and I think those kind of multi-trade layouts, it's a robotic total station that that it's a robot itself and it goes around and it can do that layout for you. It can do it at night. And then you can show up and everything can be right. These but, are the pushes forward. That, Go ahead, Jim. But just but just that, think about the collaboration off hours of what it drives, not only for safety, a clean job site, housekeeping, and, and what you get to walk into the next day. You know, it, it just, it, that creates the environment on a job site that you're not, you know, forcing, that it becomes a, a, a cognitive process that you want to do. Well, it becomes a well-oiled machine that's more of, and and I had Marav Orvin, Orin on who actually be, will release her episode a little later, but she talks about how versatile is really focused on making the job into a manufacturing site, right? And that requires all of that thought, that cleanup, that safety, that process, doing things, you know, in a more automated fashion, using new tools to solve these consistent problems. I mean, one of the interesting part is we're all about the problems here, but they haven't changed much. Like, you know, Jim, you're not dealing with some new problem. I mean, yes, yeah, supply chain was a thing for like a little bit, um, but that's actually always been the case, right? Like we were driving old trucks before and getting things there. We didn't know where those things were. It's just a little yeah. different. It shifted from steel and millwork to, to metal deck and uh, TPL. So, yeah. Same problems, but now we're thinking new solutions. So Larry, I want to get us to, to wrap up a little bit and I want any other thoughts there on the challenges that you're facing and that, and that, you know, great general contractors or general contractors, people in the business out there can, can learn from you right now. Where are you putting your focus? Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I think from the technology standpoint, I, I'm, you know, as we were talking a little bit, like I'm more middle ground is like, I, I'm, I'm still in investing in people. We are not, you know, general contractors are, are thinkers by nature. It's like, that's our job is to be, to be thinking and to be looking ahead. And so right now my investment is still in our people. It's in our staff. It's, it's trying to educate people on how to think different, how to think more like an engineer, more like an architect to understand, you know, these kind of like nuances of these problems, as opposed to just being like, Oh no, Revit's going to solve everything. Yeah. Revit's an amazing tool. I love Revit. It, it helps, but we still have silly issues that are popping up that are 100% solvable 
by smart people with forethought. And and frankly, we're, we're going to be there for a little bit longer. I think technology is going to play a large role in, in some of our subcontractors, and it's going to start to then slowly trickle up and, and be more of this kind of front-end problem-solving solution. But but right now, we're, we're still investing in people and, and training people and giving them the skills and tools that they need to to be smarter and, and you know be the next wave of people that are trying to prevent that you know, that, that zero problem project. Yeah. I'll, I'll challenge you. I, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think you're always going to be after those great people. I think you're just going to augment those folks with more and more things that make them even better at their jobs in a way that, you know, gets rid of some of the menial things that we all do and focus us on the projects that we're working in and not in the projects we're working on. It's that's that, that's that golden thread of data that, you know, allows us to start pulling projects forward instead of pushing ropes uphill, which is always a tough thing to do. So Jim, any thoughts there on the end for you? Uh, trust, trust in the market, trust with our trade partners, trust with our owners, trust with our CMs, uh, you know, in the, in the competitive nature that we are on the projects, you know, as we can expand and, and invite in the trade partners and the owners to a collaborative environment so that they can see, you know, the process. They usually just get to see the end result. If we can collaborate with everybody along the way and they can see the effort you know, everybody gets to, they just don't see the end product and they don't know what happened behind the scenes, you know? So if we can, you know, get behind the curtain, show everybody our processes through the process, through the project, you know, I think the trust and collaboration will be there and it'll be exciting future uh, with technology in, in many aspects of that. Well, I think you guys are right. And if I, if I've heard everything here today, I'm going to try and give you guys a little recap of what I'm hearing is it always starts with people. And it starts with great contractors who are really thinking forward, who are thinking about delivering differently, who aren't sitting on their heels, but are actually out there on their toes, leaning into what's going on and trying to transform the experience. We're hearing from owners, they want predictability. And you're saying you want predictability, but you're not going to listen to reality. So we're here to give you a little bit more of a dose of the reality, which actually sets everybody up for more success because we can all trust in it. I can come and tell you what you want to hear, but in the end, that's not going to end where we want it to. So, we, and then alignment, right? Aligning your trade partners, aligning your project teams, aligning on what your goals are, no matter how you go about that and what you call it, it's about each project having its own DNA and aligning and getting to where you, where you want to get. It's about trusting your trade partners. It's about leaning on them for them to drive more than they ever could before and to challenge them. Right. You know, I think that is the most challenging part of our industry moving forward for right now is that you all are ready to consume that and really to help them reach their true potential. But in the end, I heard that you want to change the experience in construction and you want to do it through great process and good technology and good applications of those things. Did I miss anything, Larry, there? Anything you want to add in? Amen, Jeff. You nailed it, man. Well, thank you. And let everybody know, Larry, where they can connect with you, find out more about Abbott Construction, more about what's going on in your world. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Abbott Construction, I think we've got a website going, which is uh, pretty decent. So check that out. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some links somewhere to find uh, emails and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I'll get your emails out there. I'll get your LinkedIn profile so people can uh, can connect with you on there. Connect up with Larry. It's been, it's been great to meet you, Larry, and, and to get to talking. Jim, I'm just thankful that you came on. It's great to sit down and talk to you again. It feels like it's been way too long. Let's not uh, let's not wait this long. Let people know where they can connect with you. Find out more about Layton and Jim Gentile. So I think in LinkedIn it's up above. So 
You'll uh, just click on the link there, LeightonConstruction.com, uh, and then at Jim Gentile, and, and we'll be all set. Looking forward to connecting with everybody and, and trying to figure this out. Well, thanks to both of you. I really appreciated you coming on and talking so openly about the problems that we're all facing. And thanks for tuning in to this season of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. Do you have a show idea or want to lend your voice to the discussion? Then email me at jeff at disjointed.fm. This show is brought to you by Join, the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.